The long dark winter is upon us, and in this episode I talk about some of the strategies for dealing with it. I also talk about my family's new seeing eye puppy, catch up on what's been happening over the last year or so, and geek out about my new role-playing game campaigns. Welcome to Newtown Radioactive. I am your host, Ken Newquist. Yes, I'm not dead, nor am I in cryostasis, nor am I hibernating, nor have I been abducted by aliens. I am here, even though the podcast hasn't been for the last year or so. If you're hearing this, I've got some good news. There are at least three more episodes to look forward to because I took some time off to work on some creative stuff and actually sat down and worked on the podcast, if you can believe that. Actually, belief isn't required because <laughs> you have the podcast in your hands or on your phone or, you know, however you uh, you chose to acquire it. So what's going on? Uh, well, our seeing eye puppy, Stephen, a male black lab, and our fifth seeing eye puppy went back uh, to the seeing eye in September. He passed all of his physicals. He actually completed his training and we got to see his town walk earlier this month. That would be in January 2023. That was really fantastic because <laughs> Stephen was a COVID puppy. We got him uh, in the very depths of the pandemic. And that made training him harder because we just couldn't get out into the real world as much. And as a result, like he didn't like going to real world meetings. I mean, none of us like to go to real world meetings. But Stephen, you know, at 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he'd be like, I'm out of here. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Again, not too different from any of us who go to meetings, but hey, sometimes you got to go to a meeting and sometimes you just got to tough it out. He got better as he got older, but he is definitely the kind of dog who needs to be paired with someone who's very active, who maybe walks to work every day, who spends a lot of time moving. He is not your nine to five uh, dog who's going to just be going to a ton of meetings all day. He will be bored out of his freaking skull. But we got to talk to his trainer and she thinks he's going to make it. So we'll see. We're keeping our fingers crossed. He's got about another three weeks worth of training before the next class starts. And maybe, just maybe, he'll get paired with his person uh, sometime in February, which would be fantastic. Meanwhile, Forrest, our sixth seeing eye puppy, arrived on December 27th, 2022. He is a male golden retriever, and he is just as cute as you might imagine. Golden retrievers, we've never had one before. And I knew that they were kind of roly-poly and super-duper cute, but Forrest just takes it to the next level. He, he, just, he looks like a stuffed animal. He doesn't even look like he's real. He's a pretty mellow puppy, and he's he's pretty smart. He already knows how to uh, ring the bells that we have on our doors to go outside. Uh, he has learned how to <laughs> ring the bells because he wants to go outside, not necessarily to do his business. Um, so we are in the, currently in the process of teaching him, hey, you, you just you need these when you need these, not just because you want to see what's happening outside. Um, he already knows his name. Uh, and and he's he's remarkably chill like you know he plays with the other dogs like the other puppies did but he knows how to just kind of hang out take a nap he's he's just kind of a lower key puppy which i think is is pretty much what we need right now Another volunteering news, I have been the scoutmaster for my son's boy scout troop for the last 4 years I think you'll find that there's something of a correlation between how often I was able to release podcasts for Nuketown and uh, and my time as Scoutmaster because it took up a tremendous amount of time. 
you know, when I, when I started into it, I thought, okay, well, you know what? I can do this, right? I can I can figure out the system. I've been an assistant scoutmaster for a while. I'll document everything and, you know, rinse and repeat. I got this, right? And then the pandemic hit and suddenly everything became much more complicated, much more challenging and much more different on a, on an almost daily basis as we could no longer meet in the real world. We had to figure out how to keep people engaged, doing online merit badges. Like there's just all this stuff we had to figure out over the course of the two years of the pandemic. And although now things are getting somewhat back to normal, I have a lot of other responsibilities in life, both with work and family, and the time has come to pass the torch. So I will be stepping down as Scoutmaster in uh, the next month or two. We're currently working through that transition period. I'm still going to be active in the troop. I'm still going to go out and do things. Still want to go backpacking. Still want to go hiking. I'll be a merit badge counselor or what have you. But my time is actually needing to run the troop is coming to an end. At the same time, uh, my son is currently a life scout and working on his Eagle project, which is building agility ladders for seeing eye puppies, which is going to be really cool and a nice way to bring these two hobbies that we've had for many, many years together. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to, to him doing it. So he's going to build these ladders. And the idea is that you lay the ladders down on the ground. They're kind of off the ground by a couple inches. And the puppies learn how to step through these openings. So that's one of the things that they need to do. Lucas's job will be raising funds to build these ladders, then actually building the ladders, then distributing them to the 40-something clubs that the Seeing Eye has for raising puppies and teaching people how to use them. So it's going to be a fun project. He's 16, so he's got some time to get this thing done, but I'm hoping that in 2023 he will be able to, to get to the end because it would be nice for him to be a, uh, an Eagle Scout well before his 17th birthday. It's not all volunteering work, although sometimes it feels like it. I've got a bunch of uh, geeky things going on, too, specifically role-playing games. Uh, after some time away from the screen, I am returning as a game master. I am currently working on the epilogue to my Scales of Truth lunchtime science fantasy campaign. Um, I've been running this on and off throughout the whole pandemic, and and the conclusion is in sight. After finally reaching the Caverns of Kazeel, which... Our heroes have been attempting to find for the better part of a year. Well, we're like three years in real time and maybe six months in the game world. But, you know, whatever. Uh, they finally reached the Caverns of Kazeel. They found the legendary Black Lotus Flower, which uh, was part of the reason why they were questing for that. They also encountered a very angry AI uh, that was attempting to... Uh, Forced them into accepting a quest for it, which they rejected. After doing all of that, they are returning home, and Norman the Wizard Lizard will return to his library to face the judgment of his peers. Will his friends support them? Uh, we shall see. We shall see. It's going to be fun. I think uh, we, we, we actually got to the end of the Caverns of Kuzil adventure, and it, it felt a little bit arbitrary. Like, I knew that the end was coming, but my players didn't necessarily know that the end was coming. And... After a week or two off, we came back to it and we kind of brainstormed, okay, so if the main adventure is completed, what's the epilogue look like? What do characters do after this grand adventure has been concluded? And so after brainstorming that, we came up with this whole, well, obviously Norman needs to go back to the tower. Norman being basically a runaway librarian, he needs to go back and face the truth, face the music. And that's going to make for a, an interesting three or four sessions, I think. As that campaign winds down, I'm gearing up for two new ones. First, I've got a Cyberpunk Red campaign that I'm going to be running over at the Lair of Secrets. More about the Lair of Secrets in a bit. Um, the plan is to run maybe six to eight episodes, really kind of 
have enough adventure so that people have a like get a really good feel for the rules and have an opportunity to kind of really get into their characters but not have a campaign that goes on for years and years because as i believe i've mentioned before i have a chronic problem <laughs> with running campaigns that go on for a very long time so this is going to be a fun experiment at least on my part to run a shorter term campaign uh in anticipation for this i've been running running i've been i have been running and part of the running has been uh listening to some audiobooks um but i've been reading a ton of cyberpunk uh i just finished the sprawl trilogy by william gibson which uh includes neuromancer count zero and mona lisa overdrive and i've been watching a bunch of cyberpunk movies including blade runner alita ba uh, battle angel and cyberpunk edge runners all of which were fantastic um I'm also prepping another campaign called the Elemental Apocalypse, which is going to be a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition group campaign for uh, for the Black Razors, for my Sunday gaming group. Um, and the theme for this one, or at least the premise for this one, is the Temple of Elemental Evil, that legendary... Uh, adventure from back in the day um, which was subsequently followed up by the return to the temple of elemental evil which my group played through gosh i guess in the in the aughts sometime i'd have to go back and see when we actually did it might have actually been the late 90s it was actually no it was the aughts because it was after third edition came out um but in any case the temple of elemental evil you know starts to rise and in true fantasy fashion the heroes rise to meet it defeat the evil and they go away but what happens if they don't? What happens if the heroes fail and the Temple of Elemental Evil rises, conquers the world, and unleashes the dark god Therizden? Well, we're going to find out because that's going to be the premise of the campaign. Think of it as Red Dawn meets the new Willow series meets Independence Day. I think it's it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm, I very much want to set this up where the the main characters are very heroic right like they're they're a cut above even your normal DD characters with some bonus feats and some additional mechanics to provide them with the opportunities to take the big risks to fight the great evil and and my hope is i, I do want to run this as a campaign that's winnable like it feels you know as i'm setting it up that it's unwinnable like that the, the heroes can't possibly triumph over evil but I think that's going to be the nature of the campaign just like in independence day where it seems like the aliens have completely conquered the world that's okay because we're going to upload a virus into thursday's brain and he's going to be destroyed it'll be a metaphysical virus don't worry it'll work um or you know maybe a sky beam or who knows maybe we'll resurrect some gods or maybe we'll create some new gods who knows what we're going to do with this campaign this one is definitely going to be longer term i imagine this thing could run for six months to a year who knows and finally, I've got some console action. I picked up uh, the Portal Companion Collection for the Switch, which is is fantastic and maybe be the best way to play the Portal games because it is portable. I can play it wherever I want, and you can just hook it up to your television if you're if you're looking to you know to get the full Portal experience. And so, for those of you who are not familiar, because this is an older game, Portal came out as part of Half Life Two Collection. And the original one is it's a puzzler. Basically, you, you wake up in this laboratory with an evil, sarcastic, um, manipulative AI uh, trying to walk you through various experiments involving a portal gun, which allows you to create a blue portal and an orange portal. 
And these portals can be used to move around various maps. And it's got fun with physics because as you jump through a portal, your momentum carries through. So some of them involve setting up portals in such a way so that you you fall, then you shoot another wall, you come popping out. And because you fell for like 100 feet, you now have significant velocity and then can get over to another ledge. Portal 2 takes it to the next level. It's a bigger, deeper, more expansive game. It introduces some new game mechanics like a... a fluids that you can spray around the maps that allow you to like go super fast or bounce or turn surfaces into things that you can portal against it is it is super fun and it's every bit as darkly uh, humorous as i remember and then finally my family after two years of contemplating it finally got a playstation 5 um, we had thought about getting it when it first came out like in the early days of the pandemic and we just didn't actually end up needing it because the games that we wanted to play miles morales horizon forbidden west like the games that we would have got a playstation 5 for ended up not being exclusive to playstation 5 so you could you could play them on the playstation 4 and our playstation 4 was still still managing to keep going uh, unlike the xbox which seems like it's going to die any given day the playstation 4 was a real trooper it just kept on going um, but it is ending the the and it's nearing the end of its life, and it is also nice to have a console that is capable of of playing more modern games. And one of those more modern games that I'm playing is Cyberpunk 2077, which I had started to play on the PC. I actually got um, GeForce Now by Nvidia, which allows you to do sort of a virtual well, not sort of it allows you to do a virtual game console. You can load games through Steam. And, you know, with a fast enough internet connection, it's just like having a PC at your disposal. But here's the thing, folks. I am bad, very, very bad at keyboard and mouse games these days. Uh, I think I rotted my brain on consoles. I just got used to playing on consoles. So I gave it the good college try. And when we got the PS5, I saw that, the, that Cyberpunk 2077 was available uh, on sale on, uh, on PS5. I'm like, okay, let's see how it goes, right? Nothing else, I could play it on both platforms. And you know what? It was great. The PlayStation is more than capable of keeping up with the demands of uh, Cyberpunk 2077, which are quite high, and it plays well. And, you know, I, it helps with providing me with inspiration for my own Cyberpunk campaign. Now, while Nuketown Radioactive hasn't been happening, uh, other podcasts have, specifically The Lair of Secrets, the podcast I'm doing with a friend of mine from our podcasting days, the early podcasting days, David Moore. Um, it is now in its third season, and we've been talking a lot of cyberpunk as we gear up for a run of uh, Cyberpunk Red. We've also been talking about other aspects, like how to keep your gaming group going during, uh, during the holidays, how to incorporate holidays into your game. We talked about uh, RPGs and travel, and much like this podcast, we also talk about the intersections of life and geekdom and gaming. So if you like the kind of content that you get out of Radioactive, stop by The Secret Lair. We also occasionally have secret guests. Well, I guess they're not actually secret because you guys actually know who they are once the podcast has been released. But in any case, we have guests and have a lot of fun with that. Uh, we even have a, a, a book reading club. We founded uh, the Neon Library, uh, being uh, facilitated, moderated by Chris Miller, he of the original Secret Lair, and you know the Overlord that uh, that that David and I really aspire to be. Anyway, he's moderating the club, and uh, the first story we've discussed is Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic, which is a short story by William Gibson. Uh, interestingly, uh, although I had heard of the book. 
or rather the short story. And I had seen the movie. I'd never actually read the short story before. I'm glad I did. Um, I think it lays so much um, of the of the groundwork of the like it does some of so much of the initial world building for the sprawl trilogy that it is really worthwhile to go back and read that because you can see the themes being developed there that really he carries through into uh, into that trilogy. Finally, Twitter, 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 Twitter. I've been on Twitter for a really long time, and uh, I've come to understand its dysfunctions and and I try not to engage with the larger Twitter community because. I have found now that I am 51, as unbelievable as that seems to me and perhaps you, arguing with people on the internet is stupid. <laughs> you can't possibly win and it's just not worth even engaging, right? So I like the people that I follow on Twitter. I have reasonable conversations with people on Twitter. But over the last few weeks since Elon Musk took over the platform, well, I guess it's months at this point, it's just been horrible, right? Like there's just been so much drama happening over on that platform and just so many changes that the time came, you know, it seemed like the time had come to go somewhere else or at least to make sure that, you know, the escape pod was readied and that <laughs> there was an alternative world for us to settle. So I created a profile over at Dice Camp, which is a Mastodon incident, incidents, instance. Um, so far, I have to say it's been way more fun, way more thoughtful, and way more engaging than Twitter. It reminds me of social media in the early days where there's a certain amount of grace. Um, I don't know, like the, the patience, um, willingness to take people at their word, right? Like, there's, there is an ethos in which, by way of example, like just don't boost someone's post by retweeting it or uh, forwarding it or whatever uh, whatever the, the Mastodon term is. Um, it's the equivalent of a retweet, right? On Twitter, you just go in, you retweet a thing, and like you send it out to your followers, and that's it. On Mastodon, specifically on Dice Camp, it is expected that you're not just going to retweet it and share it with people, but you're going to add to the conversation. And it's an interesting dynamic, and I think it's actually a really healthy one, and I've really enjoyed the conversations I've had there so far. It's cold, it's dark, and I just want to sleep. It must be winter. <laughs> Energy levels are low, and so is motivation. And I got to say, when it's dark when you get up and it's dark when you come home from work, it's just harder than normal to get even the more than the, get the more than the minimum done, right? Like you get through work, you get the kids stuff done. And then me personally, I just the ability to then say, go to the gym or go for a walk or work on my various projects becomes just just that much more difficult. And now, in previous years, this has manifested as going into hibernation mode in November, which mostly consists of me not running or going to the gym and sleeping until the sun comes up. During the prep for Philmont, um, my son and mine's uh, huge 12-day backpacking trip, that wasn't an option because I had to work out. We had to be getting ready for, for the big backpacking trip, so not exercising wasn't an option. But I got to say, it was still hard. And harder still is having a kid in high school, which means that somebody has to get up at six. So I've been doing that. And I'm probably going back to bed because I'm really tired. 
<laughs> so I realized this isn't healthy. And I also realized that I don't have Philmont to keep me motivated. So what can I do? What are ways to uh, stay active during the winter, avoid gaining the 10 pounds of winter weight, losing uh, the tone that I had previously, and having to like just redo all the work once things get warm again. So this is what I'm doing. And it might work for you. I'm trying to get to the gym a few days a week, typically in the form of a run on the college's indoor track. That's been complicated by the fact that I strained my left side oblique and um, the intercostal muscles, uh, intercostal muscles of my ribs. Um, doing push-ups in November, which <laughs> is probably the weirdest injury I've had and one of the, the hardest ones to to go to PT for because. It's just really hard to stretch these particular muscles. I am trying, and PT is certainly helping. So given that, um, and it impacts running because when I run, uh, I'm fine. After I stop running, these muscles get very angry with me for having gone running and complain for the next day. So I'm trying to branch out, do more rowing, um, elliptical work, uh, and strength training um, so that I'm doing at least something every day. I'm also trying to maximize my sunlight, both real and artificial, by walking to work and around the neighborhood more uh, and digging out my sun lamp uh, for, my office, for my work office. So during the pandemic, um, this hit me really, really hard. I'm not usually one of the people that had like sort of like the, the seasonal disorder where you truly need to hibernate, like you get depressed during the winter. But during the pandemic, it got bad because I wasn't going outside. During normal times, I'd be able to walk to work. I'd get that little bit extra amount of sunshine during the day that kind of kept me just that much more motivated. During the pandemic, that went away. Now that we're on the other side of the pandemic, or mostly on the other side of the pandemic, I'm going to take some of what I learned there and apply it to my new routine. So I am taking my sun lamp to work. You know, uh, I wasn't sure how well it would work, but I think even if it was just the mental effort of turning on the sun lamp and, you know, kind of drinking in the light, uh, just the brightening of my office, be it at home or at work, it helped. Uh, it definitely helped. Um, I'm also trying to sleep better, but more on that next episode. So something else I'm trying to do is stress relief, like coming up with ways to just kind of get out from underneath the, the heavy hand of winter hang out with my friends more. This has been particularly tough because I don't, my real world gaming group is is primarily meeting online. We've gotten together, a few of us have gotten together at gaming conventions um, over the summer, but we're still not meeting on a weekly basis, which which is hard, but that's okay. I have other friends whom, you know, we might go to a hockey game. Um, we might just get together and play some board games. We'll see. The, the key though, I think, is getting together with friends in the real world and actually doing stuff. Um, Getting a massage, <laughs> which is helpful for this muscle strain I have, but also just helpful for dealing with some of the stress relief. This past fall, um, I had a lot of responsibilities at work and a lot of responsibilities with family and taking care of my dad, who is currently has some medical issues. And I was just having all of this stress in my shoulders. And it was just painful, like truly painful. And going to a massage helped with that. And I've also been working on meditating, which uh, I will have a link to the show notes where for the episode that I talked about that, but it's helpful for me to take maybe 10 minutes a day to pause and just unhook my brain from all of the myriad media and, and responsibilities that I have. So I, I strongly recommend meditating and I, I think it's worth, worth trying out. And another thing is managing effort. I'm trying to be realistic about what I can get done in a day. 
I've got a family, kid in high school, a kid in college. My wife works full time. There's a lot there. I've got work and new responsibilities at work. I've got my dad and his myriad doctor's appointments. And I've got scouts, which is, you know, winding down, but it will still continue to be a thing. So I have to balance those things better than I have in the past and, and know when I, can, when I should scale back on some of this stuff, which I think, you know, over the time of the podcast, I've had come up with this topic repeatedly. And I think the pandemic kind of threw a hydro spanner in things, right? Before the pandemic, it's not like the before the pandemic was this golden age of awesomeness where, you know, I was never overworking or anything like that. But the fact that we were continually in the same space, that we were constantly trying to figure out how to keep things working, it really threw things out of out of whack. And so even more so than before, it feels like trying to claw back that time and making sure that there is a proper balance between all of my different responsibilities and making sure that I have the ability to do what I want to do with the time that I have left. So reading a book, reading a comic book, writing for Nuketown, working on my role-playing game campaigns, building model rockets, which yeah, I'm going to talk more about that next time too. The key is really defending time for me and making sure that that time isn't at four o'clock in the morning, which <laughs> can be one of my bad habits of, you know, you wake up, it's dark, you get up, you can't sleep, and 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 that becomes my me time. And that kind of is a self-destructive me time because then all you want to do is sleep, which only just reinforces the whole hibernation thing. But more on sleep in the next episode. So that's my take on winter. There's some other things that I didn't mention that I also really enjoy, like going skiing. I think the key is having a diverse strategy for getting through this time and knowing that, hey, eventually it's going to get brighter. Days are going to get warmer. And I got to say, I love winter. I love a great snowstorm. I love playing in the snow. I love skiing. I truly love this time of year. But I'm also aware that for a variety of reasons, it's a really tough time of year. So I'm curious about what you all think and uh, if you have strategies for dealing with winter or you know heck it's your favorite time of year and you don't need to deal with it at all I, i'd love to hear that too you can give me feedback at nuketown at gmail.com and uh, you can follow me on twitter at www.twitter.com slash nuketown sf and finally you can find me over on dice camp there will be a link to those, that in the show notes been a long time, folks, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So until next time, keep those thermonuclear fires burning.